Anybody like to ride mountain bikes in here? Anybody? A couple folks. So I like to ride mountain bikes, and, uh, and, and man, I'll tell you a story real quick. I was riding down this hill, and there's like a crazy rock garden, and I go and I hit this rock garden, and I Superman over the handlebars, landed, busted my knee, my knee's like bleeding, my elbow's bleeding, and I was like looking around to see if anybody saw me fall. And uh, I was like, okay, I got to get back, and I got to do this again. Is that rational or irrational? I don't know, right? So I get on my bike, and I was like, I got to do this again. Yeah, I wrecked again. <laughs> I wrecked even harder the second time. Now I'm like really bleeding, and it's just ugly. But sometimes we do things that are like irrational, right? I wrecked, and maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to go back to the same spot where I wrecked and try it again. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe that was like super brave or something. I don't know. That's what I kind of put together in my head, but... I think I just really looked like a doofus falling down those rocks. So um, maybe you're in an argument and you want to apologize, but you're just rolling with that argument. Anybody ever been there before, right? You're, you're just in an argument and you're just rolling with it, and, but you really, in your heart, right, you want to apologize for it. Maybe you want to save money and the next thing you know, you're spending it. Maybe you want to trust God, and the next thing you know, you're like riddled with fear. Maybe you want to resist temptation and addiction, but the next thing you know, you're caving. Why do we behave this way? Paul talks about this in Romans a lot. He says, you know, I do the thing that I don't want to do, and the thing that I don't want to do is the thing that I do. And he's like going through this, and, and uh, it's kind of a rough place to be, right? Fighting against yourself, fighting against um, you know the de the desires and and uh, but it, it, and it doesn't even make sense because take for example the argument situation you know when I'm you know having a, a disagreement with Jessa right like my heart is that I really want to apologize and forgive and get over it and some reason like that argument just keeps going right and it's kind of a frustrating thing. Well, last week we talked about. Um, we talked about neural pathways. We're in this brand new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. I believe we are not defined by our mental health, um, but it is a huge battlefield for all of us. It is a huge battlefield for all of us. Um, Jessa, who, um, and just a little bit for those who weren't here last week, just to lay some groundwork. This is not a pop psychology series. We are looking absolutely at scripture and the word of God and what does it, ta what does it tell us about how God can transform our minds and how we think. Um, God talks a lot about that in scripture. I believe he wants to impact our minds, impact the way that we think. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Um, and so because I'm not a psychologist, because I'm not a neuroscientist, um, any of the like really super technical stuff, I'm just going to have Jessa, she's going to pop in and via video, and she's going to like talk to us about the real stuff. Because she's actually, um, she's got her master's in clinical mental health, um, and uh, she knows a whole lot more than I do. She's super smart. And so we'll let her kind of chime in where it's relevant, and otherwise we'll be looking at God's word. You guys good with that? Sweet. Awesome. All right. So last week we talked about neural pathways and we talked about how like when you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. Kind of interesting, right? That goes both ways. So if you think a negative thought, 
It's actually easier to continue and go back to that default mode and continue thinking that negative thought. On the other side, if you think something positive, like something that makes you really happy, like, um, you know, you're really excited to come hang out with your friends at Young Adults, whatever, and like that thought goes through your head, and I really love the community we have here, whatever. Like that thought gets easier to think as you continue to think it. Um, and these are neural pathways. So if you can imagine, like if you went out in your front yard and you just walked a path for, you know, 50 days, you would wear a path in your yard. It's the same thing. And so the idea is, is we want to combat those negative neural pathways with positive ones. And we could totally fight this. We can, we can choose to fight this. And the way that Paul talks about it is he calls it a stronghold. He says the enemy gets in our mind and, and, uh, and he creates these strongholds, these beliefs, these lies that we buy into. I'm always going to be bad with money. I'm always going to be stuck in toxic relationships. Um, I'm never going to find a job that's going to give me fulfillment. I'm never going to be able to be close to God. I'm always going to be alone. He doesn't hear my prayers. God, God isn't even here. God doesn't care about all these lies. Satan gets in our head and he builds these strongholds and these strongholds affect our everyday life. And Paul says that we use truth from God's word to demolish these lies. That's what we talked about last week. A couple things that were the takeaways is um, our mind is a battlefield and most of life's battles are won or lost in our mind. I believe that. I believe that. Number two is our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we spend our time thinking, right, that's where we, that's where our lives tend to move towards. And we see that all throughout scripture. It's like, it's like Paul was, he, he wasn't a psychologist. He didn't go get a crazy fancy degree. He, he wasn't a neuroscientist, but he had all the stuff about like winning the war in our mind, like figured out. And I believe he was um, incredibly anointed as he gave us this word and so relevant for this day and age. So oftentimes when I'm battling temptation or fears or anxiety, I am asking myself um, the question, can I really change the way that I think? Right, because it seems sometimes like these battles just go on forever and ever and ever, right? You're fighting temptation, and maybe you're fighting the same battle every single time, and it feels like it's a battle that you can't win, and you start to think, can I really change the way that I think? Maybe it's like an addiction. Um, I know when I was there in addiction, it was, I felt like it was chains weighing me down, like I was imprisoned by my addiction. And I really wondered, am I ever really going to be able to change the way that I think or the, the, the posture of my heart? Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I think what this tells us at least at the very foundation, basic principles, right, is that yes, we can think differently than we currently do. One of the questions I asked last week is, are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you in life? 
Are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you in life? And, and if you're in a place where you're like, man, I'm battling anxiety, or if you're in a place where like, man, I wish I could be more, more bold with making um, friends, or um, I'm in a new place and I'm trying to, to, uh, to build relationships, things like that, like, man, I think there's so much hope in this verse right here that our, the way that we think can be different can be transformed. And I think it's a partnership between us surrendering to God's plan for, for, for this transformation and God moving in our lives in a powerful way. So how do you train your mind? How do you train your mind to behave differently? Maybe you've thought about training your body, right? You think about you go to the gym and, uh, and you've got like the cardio and you've got the weightlifting and you need all of it, right? You need strength training, you need cardio. But it's not just about the exercise, right? It's, about, it's also about what you put in your body. How you fuel your body is important to your overall health, right? Same thing for your mind. We can do all these mental exercises. I know when I was in school, and I was trying to, um, you know, think the best that I possibly could, right? Studying philosophy is super confusing, and we would, do, we would do mental exercises, right? You can do all these mental gymnastics, but at the end of the day, the content of the thoughts in your brain matter. The content of the thoughts in your brain are important. Um, when I was a kid, I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, I bought Dave Matthews' CD um, that had Crash Into Me on it, and, uh, and my dad came in. You know, they weren't, they weren't, like, super strict, but they were definitely concerned and involved and stuff like that. And so, like, my dad grabbed my CD, and he started reading the lyrics inside the album, and, uh, and he made me throw it away. <laughs> and I was so mad because I was like, this is Dave Matthews' band, right? Like... But he made me throw it away, and I was so mad and angry, but I didn't, I just blew it off. I didn't realize that it matters what we put into our mind. I'm not saying Dave Matthews is horrible. I think that the reality is that I just wasn't understanding that what we think matters, or the content that we put in our brain matters. And that's why I want to focus tonight on Philippians 4 eight through nine, because we can put things into our mind that just continue so, to support these hurtful thoughts, these strongholds, right? If you think about the enemy may have come in and, and created a stronghold, um, and we can continue to reinforce that stronghold by putting content in there that says, hey, the lie of the enemy is correct, the lie of the enemy is, is really what you should be believing. It's easy to do that. Or we can train our mind on truth. And we can put truth from God's word in our mind. And that truth, according to Paul, demolishes the lie of the enemy. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace 
will be with you. I don't know about you guys, but I need peace in my life. It's a crazy world out there, right? And things are busy and, and life is busy and there's lots of uncertainty and I need peace in my life. And I think it's crazy. I'm, I'm just like, honestly, like as we're doing the study, I'm blown away by Paul and his like, like his divine insight into how we can impact the way that we think. He's saying that we need to meditate on things that are good. I did say meditate. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, a worship, um, sorry, worship night. And we were journaling and meditating. And, and um, I was thinking about that. And, you know, that is not a uniquely Christian concept. In fact, maybe you heard it elsewhere. Maybe you heard it in the idea of like Eastern meditation and things like that. And it's very, very, very different. In fact, the best um, definition that I could give you for biblical meditation is that it's engaging in mental exercise to focus one's thoughts, okay? Engaging in mental exercise to focus our thoughts. We see this all over Scripture. In fact, David is one of the most prominent people that we see this with in Psalm 119.15. He says, I meditate, God, on all of your precepts and consider your ways. We need to focus. We need to focus our thoughts Easter meditation. Um, when I was at Den Sim, I was doing a project, and I went down to um, one of the Buddhist temples downtown. I got to meet with the pastor, and we had an awesome conversation. And I was just really um, into learning how how it compares to Christianity, right? And um, what he taught, at least me in that setting, was that meditation is really intended in in like Easter meditation is to cancel your thoughts. To empty your mind. To move into a place of, of absolute thoughtlessness. Like there, there's just nothing there. So this is very different. This is a very different idea, a very different concept than that. But God does want us to focus and meditate on him and his word and his truth. You know, I don't know about you guys, but like... Thoughts are tough, right? Um, sometimes it's hard. You know, we, we battling temptation or, or uh, my desire to go, like, uh, buy something that maybe I should save that money. Or, like, you know, these kinds of thoughts, they're hard, right? And, and uh, it's difficult and it is a battlefield. But I'm so glad that we have a God that gave us a mind to think. And I believe that any positive change that we see manifest in this world started in somebody's mind. Anything, any positive change started somewhere as a thought, as a concept in somebody's mind. And I believe God wants to fill our thoughts and that we can encourage each other. We can use our minds powerfully to lift each other up and make a difference in this world. We can be light in the darkness. So biblical or Christian meditation isn't about emptying our mind. It isn't about canceling our thoughts. It's about engaging our mind, it's about focusing our thoughts. Jackie Chan, famous philosopher, said, your focus needs more focus. <laughs> I thought that was so good. 
Your focus needs more focus. I would say that to some of you guys. Your focus needs more focus. Jeremy actually just preached about this over the weekend in the adult services. He was talking about the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is helping to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and these um, kings and these nations that really wanted to overthrow the nation of Israel. They were sending people to try to distract him and lure him away from his work. And here's what he said, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. He's focused. He's focused his thoughts. He knows where God wants him. He's, he's determined. And because of that, that enables him to say no to the things in his life that he needs to say no to. So we're going to do um, a little bit of exercise. We did this a little bit last week, and then we jumped into small group. But um, I want to ask you guys a question. Number one, what is that stronghold that's holding you back. Okay, we talked about, we talked about um, these lies that we believe about ourselves. I'll tell you one of mine that I've struggled with for a long time is that at the end of the day, I'm just never going to be enough. And in my marriage, I'm just not going to be enough. In ministry, I'm just not going to be enough. And there's this lie that's there. And as I moved to Colorado, and this lie was so um, ingrained in my mind, I found myself night after night in tears just worried that, that, uh, that because of the things of my past, the relationships that I had broken, that I was never going to be able to be used in ministry or that I was never going to be able to be, you know, a good husband or I was never going to be able to be like the best worker that I could be. It was like this thing, just this lie just messed me up. What is that stronghold in your life that's holding you back? Maybe you've tried for years and years to overcome an addiction. And you kind of got to that place where you just bought the lie that I'm just going to always be a prison to this. Maybe it's pornography, maybe alcohol, maybe depression, toxic relationships. Maybe for a while, like, there's just a little more month at the end of the money. And that just happens over and over, and you've got to this place where you finally just accepted that I'm just never going to be good with money. Maybe every time you make a decision to rededicate your life to Christ and you, you go and you're, you're, you're pursuing after him, you're, you're praying and you're trying to get into the presence of God, you're plugging in at church, maybe every single time you do that, you realize that the enemy comes after you and discourages you. Something happens and it, and it throws you off. And that's happened over and over and over again. And you finally got to that place where you're like, I'm just not going to ever maybe feel God in my life. What's that stronghold that's holding you back? I think we all have something there that we could put down, something that maybe we've dealt with in the past, maybe that you're dealing with right now. Um, but what is that lie? We're going to name that lie, name that stronghold tonight. I want you to be thinking about what that is. And then the next one is name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. This is This is what's important. See, when we 
have this lie and this stronghold that we go to. It's like our default mode, and we go there for years and years and years, and we've worn this path in our yard, and it's so, it's, it's so clear. It's easy to go to that default mode and be thinking that over and over. And what we have to do and what Paul is telling us is he's saying we got to demolish that lie by constantly injecting the truth. And so what we do is instead of, you know, staying on this path right here that says I'm never going to be good enough, I'm going to forge a brand new path in my yard over here that says I can do all things in Christ. And that because he lives in me, I can do everything that he calls me to and that I am good enough in him. See, that's the truth is that I'm never going to be actually good enough, right? None of us are. But in Christ, I can do all things. And so we begin to inject truth and we begin to pave this new path, create these new neural pathways. We're going to name that tonight too. So here's what we're going to do. And this is what Paul is kind of, I think it's what he's trying to get through to us, is that we need to write the truth down. We need to meditate on that truth until we get emotional energy toward that truth. And then we're going to confess it, say it out loud so my ears can hear it until we believe it. We're going to write it, think it, confess it. Until we believe it. Let's say it together. We're going to write it, think it, confess it until we believe it. One more time. We're going to write it, think it, confess it until we believe it. I think it's so important. It's going to take time because it's a process. We're doing hard work. Think about how long it's taken that stronghold to be built takes a long time. It takes a long time. And as we go and we create these new pathways, go to God and ask him for strength to keep, keep us going. So I've got um, some paper up here, and here's what we're going to do. Um, in just a few minutes, Marie's going to come up here. She's going to start playing some music. And um, I've got pens and some, and some paper. And um, what I'd love for you guys to do is come up and grab a paper. If you want, you can grab multiple. If you, if you feel like you want to uh, work in that way, um, grab a pen and get some space by yourself. Like spread out, get some space by yourself. And just really ask God to show you what, what, is this, what are these strongholds that are there. And maybe write it down. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time thinking about God's truth that demolishes these strongholds. What is God's truth that demolishes these strongholds? And then the last thing that I want you to do is I, I want you to just take your phone or your Bible if you've got it with you and just find a scripture Google it if you have to, whatever you need to do while you're sitting there and you're writing this out. Go ahead and write down just, just a Bible verse that supports that truth, that argues that truth. And once you've done that, just take a couple of minutes and just meditate on it. Focus your thoughts. Um, one of the things that I love to do is called a breath prayer. And uh, as I'm hiking or, or even sitting by myself, as I'm breathing in and out, there's a natural rhythm there, right? I start to 
pray in accordance with my breath and I might say, God, into your hands, I commit my spirit, set me apart for your good works as I'm breathing in and out. And I might be saying that and I'm focusing in on the fact that God has a plan for our lives or, or, uh, and actually, um, I did this already. Talked about, talked about the stronghold of not being good enough. I'll read you mine. God, you created a legacy for me before I ever took a breath. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to me so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I can abound in every good work. That's the truth of scripture that demolishes that lie that I'm never gonna be good enough. As I start to focus my thoughts in on these things, it, all of a sudden I, it's easier to go here than it is to get stuck in that dark place, believing these, these dark lies. The last part says, because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to. So I've got some examples here that we'll just talk through really quickly, and then you guys can come up and totally make it your own. Maybe you're struggling to know God's will in your life tonight, and you're, you're in a place where you're like, maybe I'll never know what God wants me to do. go ahead and put that next slide up. There you go. So struggling to know God's will, the truth to combat that, my life belongs to God. Daily I will seek him and daily he directs my path. If, if any of these speak to you, feel free to pull out your phone and take a picture if you want. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. You can put the next one up. Maybe, and this is kind of hand in hand with like not being good enough, right? Maybe lack of confidence. My confidence, this is a truth that demolishes the stronghold. My confidence is in Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. I can do everything that he calls me to do. Fighting temptation, any kind of temptation. I am not a slave to temptation because God has purified my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful. Even when I'm tempted, he will always give me a way out. That's taken from scripture. Next, battling worry and anxiety. This was the other one that I, put down battling worry and anxiety I don't know if that's you this evening I've had conversations with a number of you guys over the last couple of weeks and um, can I just say if you're here that you're not alone you're not alone there's a lot of uncertainty in this world there's a lot of ugliness so many times I feel my mind going toward fear and anxiety, and I have been really doing this. It's so helpful. Going, we talked about spiritual warfare, going to battle in prayer and bringing God's word 
into my prayer and speaking that truth over my own fear and my own worry. It says, because of Christ, I am not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. It's beautiful. So as I said um, earlier, I'm just going to close with the scripture that we talked about earlier. Um, you can go ahead and put that up. But um, I'm going to pray us out in just a minute. And I'd love if you guys could come up and even pass these out um, and pens and go grab some space alone. Spend some time just thinking through this and really take it to heart. Really take it to heart. I believe God has a plan for transforming the ways that we think. Because he gave us these minds, he gave us these thoughts, he gave us these emotions. They're not bad. And for a lot of us who have experienced trauma or abuse, we need to feel before we can heal. So coming and bringing these burdens, these hardships before God and letting him just transform the way that we think. I believe that's what he wants to do in each of our lives tonight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, Thank you for being a God of peace. I think about your word that says that you bring peace that's beyond our understanding. And maybe we can be a generation where the entire world is falling down around us. And we stand in your peace. And the world, the broken world, the dark world looks in and sees and is baffled, baffled. And how you have given us peace. All of a sudden we become light in this dark world, drawing people to you, creating thirst for what you give, the life that you give, the love that you give, the peace that you give. We just help us tonight as we take a few moments and we um, sit in your presence and meditate on your precepts. God, would you just help us to see those places that we need to just bow before you and surrender. But God, also help us to see your truth. Help us to see your truth that demolishes the lie, the stronghold of the enemy that's been holding us back. Because the reality is, is that in you, we are good enough. And in you, we have your peace. And we are going to have wonderful, healthy relationships. God, and you called us to be good stewards of our, of our finances. And, and you equip us to do all of that. So help us to, help us to just 
engage this battle in our mind, to take it seriously and to really fight to win this battle in our mind for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.